Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Six seconds to go. Comes in the Tucker. Ewing sets a screen. The shot is off. Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. Everybody, to another episode of Strick and Roll. I'm your host, Schwenifer, and this is episode 46. I'm coming to you all on my own today, uh, a solo pod, and uh, we will be, or I will be, discussing uh, quickly, manual quickly, not getting an extension. Uh, the extension deadline passed yesterday uh, on Monday, September 23rd at 6 p.m. Uh, the Knicks and Quickly did not come to an agreement, so he will play out this season uh, on his $4.1 million salary uh, and enter restricted free agency next summer, wherever that is. Even if he did get traded this season, he would still enter restricted free agency next summer. Um, and that's just what it is. Uh, but before we get started, do have to make a few announcements. The first week, Strickland has an Instagram. Check that out. That is at the Strickland on Instagram. Plus, all kinds of new content on there. Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching the podcast. If you are and you have not done so already, Please hit like, leave us a comment, and then subscribe to the channel. That would be a huge help to us. The Strickland also has merchandise. I'm wearing some of it right here. Uh, you can find that on our website at www.thestrick.land. When you go there, there will be a link that will take you to the merchandise store. You can find all kinds of cool stuff on there. T-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, coffee mugs, water bottles, you name it. We've got it. Again, you can find that on our website. And then finally, the Strickland has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There's a $6 tier that gives you access to Pod Strickland. The podcast that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to Takes from Ivy's Bozos, our newest show, where the two hosts, Andrew Steele, aka Doug, and Zach, take your takes from our Discord in our Bozos channel, and they grade your takes. Uh, so that is for your consumption now on the six dollar tier, and you also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There is a nine dollar tier that gets you access to Strick and Roll. My solo pod right here, where I rant and rave about the next even more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. And now you get access to Strictly NFL, our newest podcast. It is, you guessed it, an NFL podcast that is hosted by Constantine and Jeffrey Rasmussen, who you know as Frank Barrett 119 on Twitter. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits like listening on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not. None of this would be possible without you. And none of this would be possible without Bet Online. The last of the major pro sports leagues kicks off this week, and Bet Online is your top spot for all your NBA action this season. With MLB postseason, NFL, and college football, and NHL in full swing, Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop, desktop and mobile access for every sport anytime. 
Head to Bet Online today to get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code Believe B L E A V to receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Um, so obviously, you. I think most fans, many fans. I don't want to say most because there are many fans I don't speak for, but a sizable portion of the fan base uh, obviously preferred and wanted Emmanuel quickly to get an extension uh, to tie him down and um, give him a sense of security going into the season. I was one of those fans. I think that was, and still feel that would have been the optimal path to pursue. Um, And it kind of sucks that he's not getting that extension because I do think he's earned it. He's been, in many ways, the Knicks' most impactful player uh, over the last three seasons. He has been a massive net positive for them. He has been, he's completely outperformed his draft position. And uh, you want to see guys like that get rewarded. Unfortunately, this is not just about rewarding guys who deserve it. Um, You're managing a lot of things. And the business of basketball is what it is. And I think there's two sides of this. for the Knicks, I think they probably, I'm not saying this with any complete sourcing, um, but uh, I think it's reasonable to guess the Knicks made some type of offer, say around $480 million, $490 million. Something in that ballpark, I think, is a reasonable assumption to assume they made. Um, do I think that is what he is truly worth, uh, you know, given the NBA market. No, I think he's worth more. But for the Knicks, I think that's a reasonable price point to go at, um, given that they would say, hey, look, we we love you. We think you're great. We know all the, you know, all the winning that you help us do. We appreciate that. We, we respect you for it. And this is telling us that we respect you for it and that we appreciate your contributions. Um, at the same time, I think they would reasonably look at it and be like, hey, look, we're paying Jalen Brunson whatever we're paying him, right? He got a four-year, $104 million contract last summer. We'll just I know it's a descending contract, but let's just call it $26 million a year. Uh, that's He'll probably opt out of that after the 2024-25 season, so you're looking at paying him again then um, at, a, at a much higher number. I think they would also look at it and be like, well, we have our starting lineup. You're not part of it, so you're not a starter. And you know, I don't want to sit here and debate, should he start? You know, uh, who should who who would not start in that scenario? Uh, any of that. The reality is, he isn't going to start, and um, that has to affect what they are willing to give him as a contract. Okay. Now, um, I'm not saying this is great. I, I personally think that, like, if he if he would have done for 100 million, I think I would have been comfortable doing that. Um, or I would have been comfortable. I don't think I would have been comfortable doing that. I've suggested previously, if you did like five, 115 million, so you're paying him less on the average annual value, but you are giving him more guaranteed money than anybody else in the team. Maybe that gets it done. I have no idea how these things work. I don't know what exactly was offered, but I do think from the reporting we heard, 40 million was a number they were willing to, they, they were comfortable at. I would guess that they were willing to go a little bit above that if that secured an extension. So let's call it again for 90, I think is maybe the top end of that range. I think if you're quickly and his camp, you would look at this and you'd be like, okay, well, Jaden McDaniels just signed for five years, 136 million. Devin Vassell just signed for five years, 135 million. 
I have been every bit as good and probably better than both those guys over the duration of our career so far in the NBA. Um, I was the runner-up in six-man of the year last year, and I think I don't really give a shit what anybody says. Like He was the six-man of the year last year. He was definitely better than Malcolm Brogdon. Um, and I deserve more than that. I, I should be at least, I should make as much money as those guys. That's, that's what I deserve. Now, would he have come down from that a little bit? Maybe. I think I, I would like to believe that he would have come down from that a little bit. Let's say that's, but maybe, let's say he would have come down from that a little bit. Okay. If the Knicks weren't willing to go to 4 100 and he, He's starting from a place where, well, I should be at least getting as much as, look, let's go with R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett got four years, $107 million, So that's $26.75 million a year, uh, which is basically on par with what Vassell and McDaniels got, except they got an additional year, right? They got the fifth year. I think he could look at those three contracts and say, hey, look, I deserve to be on, on par with these guys. Look at the numbers. Look at the impact metrics. Look at all the advanced stats. I deserve to be in that in that range. I deserve to be paid like this. And for the Knicks, if you're looking at it, you might be like, you deserve it, but, um, you know, to quote the wire, deserve ain't got nothing to do with it. Um, it, it's about what we, what can we get away with paying you, right? How can we get you at the number that we want you? And if we can't get you the number we want you, how far are we willing to extend ourselves? And I do think that that, 27 and a half or 27, whatever you want to call it, that number pushed them. If that was what his ask was, which I think is reasonable, by the way, like I, I don't really have a problem with him asking for that because one, I think players should ask for what they are, what they feel they're worth, um, especially if it's within reason. And two, um, this is money time. This is cash out time. This is time for you to secure generational wealth for you and your family. And that's what it is. Um, I think the Knicks could look at that and say, okay, well, even if we think you're worth that, we are not comfortable giving you that right now. I think they would reasonably point at the playoffs and be like, well, you were great in the regular season. You were, let's say, what we think you were the sixth man of the year. You got robbed. But when we got to the playoffs, your offense fell off a cliff. And yeah, you can, your on off was still great and your impact and all, sure. But like, we needed you to, to step up and help us offensively and, and really continue the, the tear you were on and instead you cratered offensively in a way that really hindered us um and for that reason like we we're not comfortable paying you basically like a quality starter right we we're, we're not comfortable extending ourselves like that and we are already paying Jalen Brunson and like at the end of the day like it doesn't matter what I think um if they aren't viewing him as somebody who's going to move into that starting lineup, then it's tough to to go there. Um, now, if you want to bring up, like, well, the, he should start over R.J. Baird, and fine. Like, I'm not – I think there's all these valid arguments for that. But if you're the Knicks, you have to be like, okay, well, so this is what we're not comfortable going, going for. At the same time, we – like, I think – quickly can reasonably bet on himself, right? So now I think his goal for this year is pretty straightforward. Okay, I need to do what I did last year in the regular season, hopefully even improve on that. And then when we get to the playoffs, 
I've got to make it happen. I've got to have quality moments of carrying over my performance from the regular season into the higher level of basketball that is the NBA postseason. Um, and I think what's instructive in a lot of ways is Jalen Brunson. Uh, look, Jalen Brunson obviously is a New York Nick. He became a New York Nick because Dallas would not pay him. Now, one of the reasons Dallas didn't pay him, okay, if you go back before the 2021-22 season, his last year in Dallas, the year before, in the playoffs, he was really bad to the point that Rick Carlisle basically had to bench him. Dallas did not even offer him the four-year, $55 million max extension that was available to offer to him at that time. They famously did not offer it to him up until after the trade deadline. After the trade deadline, they offered it. Why? Because they're trying to protect their asset. Um, then Jalen Brunson goes to the playoffs. And as state would have it, Luka misses the first three games. Jalen Brunson says, no big deal. I got this. Balls out for three games. Uh, helps Dallas grab a 2-1 lead in his absence, and they go on to win the series. He obviously has a really nice playoff run. He has good moments against Phoenix. He had good moments against Golden State. Um, so Brunson demonstrates on the cusp of his free agency, I, I'm not just a good player in the regular season. I have now demonstrated that I can translate this to the highest levels of basketball. Obviously, we saw that last year in New York um, with his postseason run. And in his case, he's an unrestricted free agent versus a restricted free agent in Quickly's case. So he has the leverage to basically, if he wants to go anywhere, he can just go. There's no, nothing stopping him. Dallas obviously wouldn't pay him what he what the Knicks would, and therefore he became a Nick. Now, furthermore, I think it's worth noting that Brunson had good regular seasons. He had a good regular season track record. And when he hit unrestricted free agency, he was coming off of a very, very good playoff run. I think he averaged 21, 5, and 4 or something like that. Um, and on good efficiency, 58 true shooting, whatever. It was good. It was, we, we don't need to discuss the specifics. We know Brunson was, a, had a very good playoff on his final year in, in Dallas. Now think back to when the Knicks signed Jalen Brunson to four years, $104 million. Think back to that. What was the reaction? It was not universally glowing. It was not universally positive. Sure. There were some people that were like, no, this is a good contract. He's a solid starting point guard. Look where the cap is going. Look at what his, average salary is going to be all as a percentage of the cap. Oh, yeah, there were all those arguments, but there were plenty of people that were like, mm, I don't know, like it's, 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 it still feels like, and that's coming off of a great playoff run. It's coming off a great playoff run. I'm not, Emmanuel quickly, much like Jalen Brunson was a later draft pick. He is a player who I think many fans, myself included, feel has been underrated. Um, certainly by the general broad NBA media and even at times by his own coach, his own team, his own front office, whatever. Okay. Very similar to Jalen Brunson. I think it's also fair to acknowledge that quickly like Brunson, and I know his first time in the playoffs, he was a rookie, but his first two go goes in the playoffs have not been great for him. He's struggled to carry over his, scoring, his play style, whatever you want to call it, into that higher level of basketball, that higher intensity, higher focus level. I think that's a valid criticism. 
And I think that's a valid concern to bring up. And why I bring this up is look at Jalen Brunson. Look at what he got. Look at what he had to do to get that contract. And even then, there were so many skeptics of it. There was not some robust market for him that we know of. Um, granted, you could say, well, the Knicks scared off other teams because everybody knew he was going to New York. Sure. Um, but he was available at the trade deadline. Nobody made that move. Like the point being is quickly taking a risk too, in the sense of if he thinks there's a higher market out there for him, which there might be, there certainly might be. I mean, we know that they're analytically inclined teams. I'm sure looking at Emmanuel quickly and see him as somebody that you can steal for cheap. And more importantly, I mean, not more importantly, but to, to kind of build on that, Zach Lowe has mentioned previously that there are teams that are trying to that try to poach Emmanuel quickly for the Knicks. So I do think they are appreciators of him around the league. What do they appreciate him at, though? What number do they appreciate him at? And the risk he's taking is this, right? I think if I have a good po- playoff, I and I have a good season, I have a good playoffs, I get to a higher number. I get to the number I want. Maybe I get to a number even higher than what I want because that's just how good I am, how good my season goes. That's certainly possible. I don't think that's out of the realm of, you know, uh, it's not something crazy. But it's also possible, let's say he has the same season he had last year, great regular season, struggles in the playoffs. Is that higher number going to be out there for him? I'm very doubtful of it because I don't think teams would be then look at him and feel comfortable being like, well, we don't think this guy is just a good player. We think he is a good point guard, our our point guard for the long-term future that um, can can help take us to the next level. And when we get to that next level, we'll be able to operate there you know, as a quality performer. It would be hard to make that bet if he does not have a good playoffs next year. Um, and that's the risk he's taking because it's possible we get there again and he doesn't struggling from the field. He doesn't make shots, whatever. Um, that's possible. You have to accept that. That's part of the risk he's taking. Now, I will say, I don't think his downside risk here is that significant. If the Knicks were offering, you know, like I mentioned at the start of the pilot, they were offering 480, 490 million. I think one, they would offer that to him next year if he's still on the team. And two, I think that, let's say they wouldn't. Let's say they're like trying to play hardball now because they can. Uh, I think that he can probably convince a team to give him that offer sheet. And worst case scenario, the Knicks would match. Um, or they wouldn't match for whatever reason. He Either way, I think he's going to get that money. I don't think that's a huge risk. The guy has three years of play that shows that he's a massive on-court positive um, when he shoots well, when he doesn't shoot well, because of all the value provides defensively uh, as a anc- ancillary piece. The fact that he can toggle between on-ball and off-ball, that he can fill in for Jalen Brunson or play off of Jalen Brunson. All these things that he can do add value, and I think that will always give him a stable floor in terms of what he commands. But the top end stuff, like the the number that he's looking at, right, which is not a max, okay, five the five one thirty five that Jaden or that Devin Vassell got, and the five one thirty six that Jaden McDaniel's got. Like th- these are not max contracts, but they're a lot closer to that reality than whatever quickly was offered, right? So I think it's a tough call, and I also understand. Like I want to be very clear with this. I do think if for 100 where he gotten it done. 495. Let's say let's say it would have been 495 or 496 right over If that would have gotten it done, I think the Knicks should have done it. If they could have done 5115, I think the Knicks should have done it. Like I think there were numbers where they just should have pulled the trigger even if it was a little bit above what they wanted 
because locking him in, I think, has more value to you than the current status quo, which is like he's still on your team. And I I want to shout out uh, Jonathan Macri in his newsletter today. He you know he mentioned that like if you combine Emmanuel quickly uh, with Evan Fournier's salary, you can effectively take on players that uh, make up to our, our salary that makes that adds up to at least twenty eight point eight million dollars. And I do think that's interesting. Um, I will also say that I'm not sure how much to take from that in the sense of this. Here are some of the names, okay, of guys that make that type of money. So this is just under $28.8 million. Okay, I'm just going to read off these guys' individual salaries. DeMar DeRozan, Jordan Poole, Jeremy Grant, Jaron Jackson Jr., not getting him, Tyler Hero, Cameron Johnson, Kuzma, John Collins, Brooke Lopez, Mike Conley, Wiggins, Anthony Simons, Jordan Clarkson, Terry Rozier, Malcolm Brogdon. Okay, Malcolm Brogdon makes 22.5. DeMar DeRozan makes 28.6. All those guys are in between that. Would you trade? How many of those guys would you not just trade Emmanuel quickly and Evan Fournier for, right? How many of them actually make this team better? How many of them make this team better in the short and the long term? I don't know. I, I genuinely don't. I mean, if you could tell me you get Jaron Jackson Jr. and then you're going to make some other moves, like, sure, okay, fine. I get that. Um, like, oh, we're going to get Jaron Jackson Jr. and then we'll trade Randall for player X. Or, okay, fine. Like, if you want to, fine. Maybe if that was possible, sure. But I don't think Memphis is going to do that. They already have Desmond Bain, John Morant, and Marcus Smart now. Why, they, why would they want another guard? They wouldn't. Um, if you want to say Jeremy Grant, well, like, look, one, I disagree. Two, Portland, another team. Why would they want another guard? This is why they wanted to trade Damian Lillard and why they didn't want Tyler Hero, right? They have Scoot. They have Anthony Simons. They have Shaden Sharp. Why would they want Emmanuel quickly, who they then have to pay? At the start of the field, I don't know. I don't think that really makes sense to them. Um, Jordan Poole, I, I know he killed us in the preseason and he has moments, but like, I, do you really see Jordan Poole as a guy that the way this team plays and the way Tom Thibodeau is, that that would make sense? I don't. Andrew Wiggins would be a name. That's interesting. Uh, I will continue to bang the drum that if you trade for a wing, if you trade quickly in a package for a wing, it kind of makes your roster a little bit cluttered, and I'm not sure how. You'd have to make subsequent moves to make that work, but Wiggins might be a guy where it's like, okay, like I, I'm still a little bit suspect over just how good Wiggins is outside of playing with Steph Curry, which makes everybody look good, but like, you could at least talk me into Talk me into the Knicks viewing that as maybe this is an opportunity, especially considering he's locked in on a pretty nice contract. Aside from that, I don't see it. Like Jordan Clarkson, good player, but is that what the Knicks are going to do? I mean, I, I'd be surprised. Terry Rozier, is that your guy? No. Malcolm Brogdon, no. Like John Collins, no. Brooke Lopez, no. Kuzma, Kuzma and Randall make no sense together. Like I, I just don't see it. And so. I think what ends up happening is I think the Knicks are going to play this out. And I think quickly is going to play this out. And I think that it's all going to happen in New York. Um, now, is there a player who becomes available that maybe changes that calculus? Let's say that uh, 
let's say the Bulls are having a disaster season, and all of a sudden they're like, hey, look, just give us Fournier, RJ, and quickly for Zach Levine. Would the Knicks do that? I don't know. I wouldn't do that. I know that. I would suspect the Knicks wouldn't do that, but I can't say that for sure. I, I don't know that. Let's say the Clippers are having their disaster season, and they say, hey, we'll give you Paul George. Give us Quick and RJ and Fournier. Right? And I'm, I'm, I'm bringing up RJ because he, he would need to go effectively to make the salaries work. Yes, you can say, well, they could do Hartenstein. They could throw in a, Yeah, they would, but that would create significant gaps in the rotation, multiple gaps in the rotation. Um, and I feel like if you're getting, if you're trying to get a Paul George or a Zach Levine, you're trying to go for it now. So creating more gaps in your rotation makes less sense than than putting in RJ, who presumably like you're acquiring one of these players to upgrade at that starting wing position, which would be his. Um, and like if you want my honest opinion, I would guess that the Knicks value Quentin Grimes more so than RJ Barrett. Right or wrong? Agree, disagree. I think that's what they believe. Um, so, like, yeah, there are scenarios where you could see quickly get traded. I just don't think they're very likely in season. And honestly, that's why a little bit why I'm, a little bit why I'm surprised that they didn't come to an extension, even if they had to extend themselves a little bit, because we know that they want to keep themselves flexible, that they want good salary on their books to, to be able to move, to be able to be players in the free, or not, sorry, not the free agent market, the trade market. Uh, whenever the time comes for superstar X, who finally is the one that they're going to pull the trigger on. Right. Um, let's say that's, if it is Joel Embiid, who obviously has been rumored uh, heavily to be a, uh, the apple of their eyes. Like, do you think Joel Embiid is going to get traded in season? I would be shocked. I would be shocked. We talked about this last night uh, on the podcast with uh, Trill Bro Dude, and I would be stunned, honestly, if they traded him in season because I don't think Maury... Maury is obsessed with stars. That's always been his thing. Once he has one, he's very, very low to give them up. And if he is going to give them up, he wants something. He either wants a star back or he wants a package that he can then parlay into stars, right? You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.